Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. We're so glad to have Don Hoosier back with us. We had him on just within the past month, and we just scratched the surface of the wonderful things that he's done. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. He is a retired pastor, as I have become. But he's still very, very involved with a lot of projects, and he's going to talk about some of them in our podcast today. But he's been a pastor, a writer, a teacher, a counselor, and has also had other roles in, in his life that has been very, very much a blessing to many people. But one of them is the work that he's done with addictions, and we'll be talking about that. So first of all, Don, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, and thank you for the invitation, and uh, may God use all of your podcasts to, to really help people in all kinds of ways, and, and uh, I'm always excited about any opportunity to uh, be able to serve God's people and God's work in any way. Well, I feel like we both kind of are the same. We've had a life of service, you know, in a structured way, in, in particular roles, you know, in the, in the ministry, and now we can't stop working. <laughs> we can't stop serving and, and just doing exciting things, and there's a lot of exciting things uh, out there. But as we mentioned last time, you know, Don is retired. He lives in Reedsburg, Wisconsin for six months of the year and in Dallas, Texas for the other six months. Regarding retirement, my wife kids me. She, uh, she says the only difference is uh, you're just not getting paid now. <laughs> you're still working about as much as you were. Well, I know that you just got to be more careful with what you spend <laughs> right now. Right, and, right. And so we're in that particular mode, and we have to be just more careful. But we have opportunities to serve and very much appreciate them. But, Don, we touched on breaking free last time, the concept of breaking free. And I would like you to talk to us uh, about that uh, as to what it was, what it serves, and what it does today. So why don't we just start with your talking about it? Okay. Well, I'm certainly very thankful that we are publicizing the Breaking Free Journal. And uh, that's the official name because other organizations use the term Breaking Free. Uh, so technically, it's the Breaking Free Journal, but we just refer to it as Breaking Free. But I'm glad we're publicizing it because many of our church members are not aware of all these articles. And um, and I deserve a huge part of the blame for that because I'm still the managing editor of Breaking Free uh, and have done very little in the last uh, couple of years to tell and remind our members of it. Of course, that's partly because I've been quite busy. I was working full time for the personal correspondence department for 10 years up until 19, until 2021 when I re retired were answering letters that were written to the the church and so of course that kept me very busy until then and then and then i was a caregiver when my wife's health started failing in 2016 until she died in august of 2020 mm -hmm. and uh, then after that i gradually became acquainted with and fell in love with judy wrestler and then we married in J january 1st 2022 so there's been a lot of transitions, and, and but now I really do want to get back to uh, publicizing uh, the need for practical Christian living uh, uh, articles, and especially on this matter of breaking free, because we human beings have a wonderful mind and body, but, but there's also so many things that can go wrong, and people can get off on so many wrong things in their lives that uh, become habits and addictions and uh, mess up their lives, and and we want to not look down on them or ridicule them, but, but try to encourage them and welcome them and 
and try to help them to cope and to even overcome as much as possible. From my even from my teen years, I wanted to to pursue a life of pursuing some great cause. And once God called me so that I could really understand the Bible and his church, I left an engineering career to go to our church college so I could could pursue God's work full time. Mm-hmm. So I've been in the full time ministry since June 1966. Of course, God's word teaches us to love him and also to love people and to do what we can to help. In fact, Jesus even defined leadership as in God's sight as those who are helping and serving rather than those who have some kind of a position, high position or power or something like that. So anyway, I'm excited about any opportunity uh, to serve. And so it's interesting how I got involved with this Breaking Free Journal United Church of God decided to pursue focused education and Breaking Free Journal became part of it. Mm-hmm. And I started, I think, in 2004, maybe 2007, under the leadership of Melvin Rhodes, and he was doing a great job. But he was so overloaded that uh, he got way behind with his website, and I offered to help him. And so then in 2010, Melvin became even more and more busy with his responsibilities. So he and Dennis Luker, the president, asked me if I would take over the managing editorship of Breaking Free. So that's when I got fully involved uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was asked to work full-time with the personal correspondence department, writing replies to the personal letters that are sent to United Church of God. Uh, so I'm really proud of our church, United Church of God, it's policy that when anybody sends a personal letter, a sincere personal letter to our church, we try to do our best to send a full uh, personal reply back to that person right away. Mm-hmm. And so for those 10 years, I wrote almost a thousand personal letters uh, each year uh, to thoroughly respond to the letters that were coming in. Wow. And I'll just add, I'll just add that about, you know, most people who want to send a, a communication use their computers and email and texting and things like that. So anymore these days who write handwritten personal letters are people in prison. So about two-thirds of the letters that come to the church are from prisoners. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine how many problems <clears throat> they have had in the past and also how many problems they're having inside prison as well. And so uh, it's it's interesting how that uh, sort of adds to my awareness of people's problems and um, and uh, analyzing them and trying to understand them and trying to help them as best I can based on God's word and so forth. So these things, uh, these activities are these responsibilities have somewhat uh, reinforced them, mm-hmm. each other for me. So that's kind of the background for me. I know that we do have, you know, quite a bit of work with when I was president, I was just trying to understand better about who we communicate with and who our audience is. And I was just amazed as to how many we have as prisoners. In fact, in our database, one of the fields is what's their prison number? You know, make it easy just just in case that person is a prisoner. Not, not that that person will even know that, but you know, just in case they're a prisoner, you know, what is their what, what is their number? And, and uh, it just showed what amount of people we had for that. And I know that when we invited people for various public appearances or everything, you know, we didn't bother inviting the prisoners because they, they couldn't go. 
but that that is very definitely a very very important segment of the people that we serve and their particular needs. Yes, and of course their their spiritual attitudes and and uh, and all are very all over the place. Some are jailbird uh, preachers, and they want to kind of straighten our church out because they think they know everything. But mm-hmm. most of them are sincerely wanting to learn. And they they're making good progress. You know they got a lot of time on their hands, and and uh, they we, they can get our free literature, and they've got a Bible, and uh, so many of them make really good spiritual progress. And some you know occasionally somebody is baptized even while he's in prison. So mm-hmm. so it's, it does a lot of good serving those people. I know that uh, almost any one of our ministers at some point has had visit requests from prisoners. I mean every area that I've served in. I have uh, had prisoners that I visited, whether penitentiaries or uh, minimum security, but I've had prisoners to talk to. Well, now I want to uh, explain what is unique about breaking free. You know, for every type of problem, there are countless sources of professional help. But what our church has decided is to have a journal in which all articles are, are written only by our church members. And so these are members offering help and encouragement to their spiritual brothers and sisters of course it's okay for an author to be a professional but it's certainly most of our articles are not by professionals they're just from church members who have had experience and feel like that the sharing their experience can help others mm-hmm. and they they certainly do when they write it up so these are simply members trying to inform and encourage their spiritual brothers and sisters and relate their experiences of what they've learned it's kind of like been there done that and uh, they're offering able to offer empathy as well as sympathy. Uh, so some articles are written by a member who personally had a serious struggle. Other articles are written by a member who was a caregiver or who lived with a family member with a serious struggle. For example, if a, if a, a parent you know, was reared a child with a serious handicap or problem or or, or something like that, you know, they might write about, well, how to, how to deal, how to help and take care of a, a family member, or maybe a, a parent or somebody with a dementia or somebody with a mental problem uh, and saying, well, here's how, here's how life was for me and here's how I dealt with my, my family member who had schizophrenia, uh, for example, you know, just any kind of a mental problem. Now, we certainly don't pretend to be the full solution uh, for helping people. In fact, we strongly encourage people to pursue other sources of help. But I think usually when when uh, a member reads an article and knows it's coming from a fellow church member, that on top of all the professional help they're getting, it's like they're getting sympathy and empathy and encouragement and understanding. And it's like, well, I'm not the only one. There's others out there in, in my church that... Uh, have had similar experiences, and it's really encouraging to, to read about what they're sharing. This is a, brings up a very interesting memories of working with a prisoner at uh, Kentucky State Penitentiary at uh, Land Between the Lakes. There was That's the maximum security penitentiary. Uh, that's where the electric chair is. In fact, uh, when I started working there, the warden took me around and made sure that uh, my wife and I at that time worked together there and make sure that I saw that place. One thing that was very interesting is that uh, they had different levels of 
uh, people who came in to, to help out. They had everything from professional psychologists, psychiatrists that came from Louisville, you know, and talked to the prisoners. They also had uh, local churches that had various lay people that came uh, to, to help out. And the most popular person the prisoners told me about was this lady from Mayfield, Kentucky, from one of the churches there. And they loved her. I mean, she made them laugh. She made them feel good. <laughs> you know, she was encouraging. <laughs> you know, and the psychologist or the psychiatrist from, you know, from uh, Louisville, he, he did not have the skills of really reaching their heart. And I, I think that says a lot. You know, it's important to have skills and to understand how the mind works and human behavior. But I think it's so important to have the native skills of loving people really caring for them. And once that care is communicated, it doesn't take a college degree or to be a PhD to be able to uh, use that uh, in that type of service. Yes, that reminds me of that saying, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. By the way, I have great respect for AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and the other offshoots like Narcotics Anonymous. And one of our ministers wrote an article for Breaking Free uh, showing how that each of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous are in harmony with biblical principles. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so generally, if somebody is, has an addiction, we, uh, we encourage them to start going regularly to a, an AA or a, one of those anonymous groups. And one of the, one of the reasons they're so successful is that, uh, People start out going because they wanted to receive help, but they encourage everyone to start encouraging and trying to help others. And so that's one reason why that that type of program is so effective is because most of the people get involved, start helping others who are like, especially newer people coming in. It's kind of like an older brother or an older sister uh, helping a younger brother or sister coming in. And so that's a part of the source. You know, the more we give to others, the more we ourselves are strengthened. So, mm -hmm. uh, and so, and that that's kind of the idea too, with um, with encouraging people to write for uh, Breaking Free and and uh, and uh, and for our other publications as well. And because uh, you know, a teacher always learns more than the students. You know, the the what all is involved with teaching always reinforces everything with the teacher, so that. Uh, uh, teachers always learn from teaching and writers learn from writing and so forth. So, uh, by the way, it's uh, perfectly fine for any would-be author to be anonymous. I mean, sometimes matters are so personal that they, they would be embarrassed for everybody to know who's telling about some of their past problems. So it's fine to, to say, I want my article to be anonymous. And uh, I may know who the author is, but I don't tell anybody else, mm -hmm. you know. Now, Don, and, you know, uh, so, one thing that you're saying here, you know, maybe we could clarify. Are you soliciting some articles right now that people could write for Breaking Free, or, or are you just talking about the way it's working? Well, I'm yes, both. I uh, because uh, the uh, there's not much to this position of being managing editor for Breaking Free. What that means is that when somebody, whether they've had any writing experience or not, they sends me an article, and and I'm pretty good at editing. So I go through and, and, and make sure the grammar is right and, and, and it's clear and all that. And then I never post something until the author agrees with the final wording. So in other words, 
I edit it. I send it back to the author. Uh, I say, well, do you do you approve of this, or do you or have I misunderstood you in some way? Is there some way that you think it should be changed? So if necessary, we can send the article back and forth between us until we're both satisfied with the wording. And then once once the author is satisfied, well, then I go ahead and post it mm -hmm. uh, to our UCP uh, website. So that's that's basically what what it means for me to be the managing editor is to is to edit their articles and then post them. And uh, so I'm always happy to receive a, an article and that um, somebody's put forth that effort. Now, as far as the uh, the types of articles for breaking free, that's all over the place. And of course, as society gets in worse and worse condition, uh, I, we're, I think we're going to have more and more subjects to deal with. But uh, as far as the categories, there's all kinds of abuse, physical, mental, and sexual abuse, addictions, including alcoholism, uh, drug addictions, gambling, sexual addictions, of course, alcoholism, uh, eating disorders like obesity and overeating, undereating, anorexia, bulimia, emotional stresses, including depression, grief, suicidal thoughts, self-abuse like uh, some teenagers especially got into cutting themselves and abusing themselves in that way and then there's gambling addiction uh, i had a grandfather who had a gambling addiction and that was really a strain on, on their marriage and then of course it would include homosexuality and which i like to call same-sex attraction and uh, and i'm glad that uh, after in the early years of our church many of our members and uh, our uh, even some of our ministers uh, would ridicule people who were genuine homosexuals, meaning they they, they had a same-sex attraction that they could not help. I mean, they, as far, they had that as far back as they can remember. And uh, the Bible does not condemn same-sex attraction. It just condemns any, th any kind of sexual activity outside of a man and wife marriage. And so uh, when, when somebody has a problem like that, they can't, it's, it's impossible to overcome. We need to treat them, of course, with respect and and encouragement. And in fact, I had I pastored two different congregations that had a homosexual man in each one, and I came to be very personally acquainted with them. And they, and I know of uh, one who's not a it's not a congregation that I ever pastored, but I know of somebody who's been homosexual most of his life, and he's a very good church member. So we, we try to encourage them and let them know that it's not, it's holiness, it's not heterosexuality that God is expecting, it's, it's holiness. Mm -hmm. In other words, a, uh, somebody with same-sex attraction can be, you know, very dedicated and close to God. And so uh, it just, that's one thing that made me all the more concerned about studying the subject and, and writing about it and clarifying it is because I saw that that uh, too many of our own church members were just kind of looking down on somebody with same-sex attraction as being kind of inhuman, like they're the scum of the earth or something, and just making fun of them and and all that. And uh, and that's just not right when somebody has something that he can't help. Well, you know, in the last 10 years, same-sex marriage has been condoned. Supreme Court ruled uh, equality. And, uh, you know, before this, homosexuality was not condoned, obviously. How has this changed our ability to help people in the society we live in and also with the great massive changes attitude-wise and even uh, legal-wise? 
Yes, well, some subjects are so sensitive these days, and there's so much uh, activism and and uh, people being uh, th- uh, threatening others, and that uh, that we have to be very careful with what we say publicly. But we still do not approve at all of uh, same-sex marriage. You know, the Bible defines marriage as right. being only between a, a, a man and his wife, and uh, so we do not approve of a marriage. In fact, I think these so-called marriages are, are mainly just to kind of put the stamp of approval on their their uh, sexual activism with each other. Uh, but uh, as far as just having the attraction that uh, as long as they're celibate, as long as they refrain from any kind of sexual activity, then they're not sinning. And so uh, it's just it's, it's important that people understand this whole subject and what God uh, condemns and, and what he does not condemn. It's becoming more and more difficult for caregivers. I'd hate to be a counselor or a family psychologist working in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> you know? uh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, just uh, where do you start? Where do you stop? You know, how do you handle that situation? Yeah. And then there's other subjects we deal with, mental disorders like bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, autism. Not that we have answers or simple solutions or at all, but it's just that when somebody has had this in their family and they want to share their experience and encourage others, well, then, of course, we welcome people to write about those things. And then there's sexual addictions like pornography and immoral behavior and sexual temptations. And, of course, the Internet has enabled and amplified all kinds of immoral temptations and actions. And then, of course, being addicted to cigarettes and smoking is a common problem. And then substance abuse is a a common problem. So now that we come into this year, 2023, things are rapidly declining in our Western society. Reminds me of the book by uh, Mr. Bork on the slouching toward Gomorrah. And and it seems like it's not slouching anymore. It's, It's an avalanche toward Sodom and Gomorrah anymore. So I don't know what what other subjects we might try to deal with under breaking free that are kind of new to what we've been, what what we see experiencing in the, in the last few years. So that kind of remains to be seen. It's really, really sad and heartbreaking and depressing, isn't it? It, it? it sure is. And what you see on television right now with this is month of pride, the June was the uh, month of pride. And then they say it's the summer of pride. And yeah. you know, it's, it's just going in a direction with no control. And to me, uh, some of the, with the drag queens, those types of things were considered to be very, very antisocial and just weird. I remember when there was a notable citizen uh, where I used to live that was pulled over by the police and he was wearing a drag outfit and the police arrested him. You know, they, they arrested him. Uh, I don't know what, what it was arrested for, but you know, obviously it wasn't like a good thing because he was a well-known, I'm not sure if he was a political figure or whatever, and here he was, you know, dressed that way, and he was pulled over for probably some other reason. But I'm just saying now people are proud of that, and people want you to approve them. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Whereas they used to be sort of in the closet, as we called it, and uh, hiding what what they believed and what they were doing. And now it's like they're just wanting to flaunt it and uh, try to influence others to follow their example. I mean, it's really shocking. Well, in your work here with Breaking Free and trying to take a look at the Bible as 
God's ageless book of how to live, where we don't change the rules by the times in which we live in, but to try to teach these things. Can you comment about how it is and how knowing what the Bible has to say, the Bible's you know, very clear, very definite, and 30, 40 years ago, we would have no questions about these things. But so, much, so many things have come out of the closet. And right now, you, know, you could be liable for hate towards some type of thing that we would consider to be debauchery or abomination beforehand. How does that affect you and how you talk to these people? Has that changed your tone? Has it uh, changed the way you answer questions, the way that you counsel them? Well, thankfully, I don't. I'm not confronted with that very much uh, in this role of uh, handling the Breaking Free Journal. I, I, I know it's a, a very serious consideration when we're doing our church uh, telecast and uh, even what we post in the way of sermons uh, and what we put in our magazines and, and so forth, as far as what language we use and how clearly we uh, maybe are condemning certain sinful actions. Uh, because more and more, what we're doing out of love is is called hate speech. It's almost like anything with some of these people that are trying to completely change our society. It's like anything they don't agree with, they call hate speech. And and uh, whereas whereas most people really believed in free speech, it's very sadly, it's it's like more and more people don't believe in hate speech. It's like Everybody should be prevented from saying things that might offend somebody. Mm. And so uh, it's it's really touchy, and I know it's going to get worse, and it's going to put more and more of a, a restriction on what we can and can't say. Uh, that hasn't affected me um, uh, a lot, partly because there hasn't been that many articles that have been sent to me recently for Breaking Free. And, of course, I have to be aware of that so that when somebody sends an article, if it's too maybe too clear – as far as condemning uh, sinful activities, uh, I might have to change the wording uh, a little bit. I wrote down in my notes here that uh, to remind myself to mention Proverbs 19, Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, when, when people no longer respect the Bible, they certainly are casting off all restraints. It also reminds me of what was said in the end of the book of Joshua about every man did what was right in his own eyes. It's like there's no foundation. There's no anchor. It's just uh, as as fewer and fewer people read the Bible or respect the Bible that uh, there's like there's there's no foundation. It's like just believe whatever you want to believe. And mm-hmm. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, I heard a sermon by one of our ministers, Gary Petty, who uh, he was saying that uh, anymore it's gotten to the point where people call themselves Christians when they don't even believe in the divinity of Christ. They don't even believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, and they don't really respect much of anything about the Bible. But their definition of Christian is anybody who has love, who loves people, that's a Christian. And so it's like it's like uh, words, so many words have no real set meaning anymore you know to say he's a christian or somebody believes in god well it's like well what god do you believe in do you believe in the god of the bible or or what do you mean by you believe in god Uh, so it's just like uh there's complete confusion well only about a fourth 
of all people who are professing Christians, really believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. There's a lot of people who think it's a good book, a lot of people who think that it's great history, but as far as being divinely inspired and breathed, where when you read it, uh, what was written through the medium of an author of 40-some authors over history was something that was inspired by God, not only for that time, but for us, for us to yes. apply, apply those words. And that's where you know, people are marginalized as, as Christians. And I just wonder how much that really is, is Christian and pleasing to God because God has set down some rules for our good. And the reason that we have so much evil in the world is because rules have not been obeyed. Yes, yes. You know, I'm very conscious of the fact that two times in Deuteronomy and then one time in the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, God emphasizes, do not add anything to this word or do not take away anything from this word. And uh, boy, people feel free to add and subtract as much as they feel like doing. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing, I just want to get back to the question of breaking free. That is part of our website. I know that we talked about a little bit about locating it. Uh, and if it is, it is it something that uh, anybody could access, even though maybe not use all the services of it? Yes, uh, there is a uh, there is a link, uh, a direct link that would take you right to it. But we have a wonderful search bar. In other words, in the upper right-hand corner of our ucg.org website, there's a search bar, and if you type any words in there or a name of an author or it, within a few seconds, usually pop, usually whatever you're looking for pops right up. Mm -hmm. But if you put, if you put the word "breaking free" there, you'll get articles that are breaking free type articles, and some of them have "breaking free" even in the title. But it really doesn't take you to the "breaking free" journal. So, which is "breaking free" journal is is a set of blog. The way to get there, otherwise, and of course, if anybody wants to get there i can i'm glad if they contact me and ask me how to find it if they're having trouble finding it but if you go to ucj.org the first page and then it it'll say um up in the left up, upper left hand corner i think it um, it says menu you click on menu and then you can click on um, beyond today and then you click on menu again and uh, it, it goes to blogs and then when you click on menu again You'll see that one set of blogs is breaking free. Oh, so you just have to. Okay, so it's actually there. <laughs> yeah, so, so when you finally get down to where it says blogs, and there's a list of about three sets of types of blogs, and one of those is breaking free, and so that does have all the articles that are considered part of breaking free right mm -hmm. there. There were, you know, several that I found just extremely motivating because they were written by people in, in a very, very earnest way of people who were going through certain things. And, and I know that they were writing not just to kind of tell about the problem, but because they wanted to share their own and also to help. Yes, and along this line, uh, something I'm just now starting on, or I'm about to start on, is to go through and change the titles of quite a few articles. I wish I had thought of this way, way back when we first started with Breaking Free. But many people put a kind of a catchy uh, title to their articles, and it, and it did relate to something in the article, but it didn't give any kind of a clue as to what the subject was. Mm -hmm. So if a person, let's say, is looking for an article, and he starts scanning down through, and let's say he's, 
he's looking for an article on uh, anorexia or uh, schizophrenia. Uh, he's not going to look at titles and, and find it. Uh, so I, I talked to Peter Eddington, our head of our media and communications department uh, the other day, and I asked him if that was okay to change the titles. And he said, yes. And I said, I said, how do we go about that? And he said, well, just send it to me. And he says, I'll do it. So that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through and see what the subject of the article is and make sure that the title includes the subject. So you can just look at the title and know that that article is about that subject. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that, that's a project I'm just now getting ready to start on. All good. So I'm glad to see just a very, very active, proactive continuation of Breaking Free, which I know has been around, like you said, from 2004 or 2007 or so. I mean, I've I've seen it in my pastoral ministry and have recommended it and have seen the work that you have done and Melvin has done, you know, on it. Also, I might just kind of just take a little little uh, break here, N not a break, but talk about something different. You had come to me uh, back like 15 years ago or so. I mean, time just marches on, and we're talking about another problem in like the workplace or even just in public is having to do with fragrances, which yeah. w which was uh, a very which I feel was uh, a big uh, matter. Well, not so big matter before, but people weren't considered of one another to wear all these colognes and perfumes to work and make things unbearable. Right now, it's almost like smoking. You know, it's just for, it's just not allowed. Uh, what do you about fragrances? Well, it, uh, I I love it when I realize people don't understand something, and uh, and that lack of understanding is causing a problem. And uh, in some of our congre congregations, there would be some at least one person who was extremely sensitive to any kind of a fragrance, especially anything made with chemicals. In other words, if you use something totally natural, like maybe the smell of, maybe you have, maybe you, let's say you put clove oil on your face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it was strictly something totally natural, but if there's any kind of chemicals in a, in a fragrance, and most commercial colognes and, and, uh, deodorants and hairsprays and things like that, most of them have, chemicals as part of the makeup people would get deathly sick uh from being around it and then um but some some of our members and even some of our church pastors thought oh it's just in your head uh, you can't possibly it doesn't bother me and I, I just don't see i could possibly be bothering you that much and uh so i did quite a bit of re research on it and uh because I was really sympathetic to these people and worried about this problem. Some people were even staying home from church because they just couldn't go to church. They'd get sick. And so when I did that research and wrote that article and you reinforced and backed it up with your website, oh, that was a that was quite a revolution. I mean, pretty soon all pastors and all church members became aware that that really is a genuine problem. And that uh, out of love for our brothers and sisters, uh, we need to come to church without scented products on. Yeah, I might, and, just, uh, might just mention is that uh, uh, the location for it. When we talked last time on this podcast, we forgot all about that location. Maybe you didn't, but I had forgotten it uh, about fragrances. I didn't even know where it was located on my website. But it's uh, very easy to find cubic.org forward slash health. And there are some really good articles about how you became interested in uh, 
health of living about colognes and chemicals and scents and perfumes and personal stories from people about chemical sensitivities, accommodating the, the disabled. I mean, there's some really good things there that we just kind of added over a period of a couple of years there. Right. Now, absolutely. What prepared me to work with Breaking Free Journal? I just comment here a little bit. First of all, coming to understand the Bible and, and how much uh, we learn from even the example of Jesus Christ. I mean, there were so many people in the, in the lifetime of Jesus Christ that were shunned and looked down on and ridiculed and thought they were. And a common, throughout human history, there's been a common belief that uh, if you're suffering, you know, God is punishing you. And if you're prospering and you're in good health, well, that means God is blessing you. And mm -hmm. so that's what, that helps me to understand why a lot of very hypocritical people, people who are guilty of many kinds of bad sins, uh, think that they're probably doing okay spiritually because they think, well, my prosperity is proof that uh, God is blessing me, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. And uh, so, uh, and, and remember, you know, Jesus, I think it's in Luke where, he said, remember the uh, the Tower of Siloam that fell and killed several people? He said, you think they were worse sinners than anybody else? He said, no, I tell you not. And uh, he used another example. And um, often when I think of the parable of the, uh, the Good Samaritan, I think, what was going through the minds of that priest and that Levite that walked right by that injured man and didn't try to help him? I'm assuming, that's just what seems logical to me, I think that the priest and the uh, the Levite were thinking, well, if he's injured and in the ditch, it's because God is punishing him. Mm -hmm. He must be a bad person. He's not worthy of my wasting my time on him. And uh, and so Jesus had to combat, and that's why people thought that well, if you have leprosy or you're blind or you're crippled, that uh, you've been punished by God. And uh, Jesus showed that uh, they're just as worthy as anybody else. And he went about touching them and healing them and, and so forth. And so he certainly was revolutionary uh, in that way. So uh, that, uh, thankfully, that has come to give us the, the understanding and sympathy and all that, that we should have as members of God's church. And then in my case, many in my family, I think I mentioned this before, many in my family and my extended family had addictions. And, and my mom divorced my father because he had become uh, dangerous the way he was acting out with his when he get drunk. And uh, later on, he quit drinking and, and it was kind of a bittersweet because it's like, well, we all wish that he had quit drinking before it broke up his marriage and everything. But I've seen so much grief. I have had, had uncles that were alcoholics and um, and I had I knew at least one person was addicted to cocaine for a while and and uh, so I've seen so many problems that I've quite a few relatives were very addicted to smoking mm -hmm. one reason I never smoked is because I was scared <laughs> I had an uncle would say don't ever smoke he says I'm a slave to the cigarette he says I just I wish I could quit but I can't Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, brother, I'm, I don't want to take any chance in getting uh, addicted to something like that. So I saw so many broken relationships and, and so forth. And, uh, you know, many people that God calls have their own baggage and burdens. And, uh, and a lot of times we don't even know about it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they seem like they're doing okay on the outside, but they're suffering from things in the past and things in the present and, and so forth. And I just, you know, I know we need to be aware of that possibility. And um, we need to have that attitude there, but for the grace of God, go I. I mean, I just, I'm very blessed that I had loving parents and, and a good normal life here in America. And, uh, but I know so many people don't have near as nice a life as I have had. I was going to say that also, uh, uh, one thing that I have found, and as we are in the ministry, we find out that there are people who have problems, there are far more people with problems that, that we realize into some of the addictions. And uh, we yes. have to be just very, very open and compassionate to that. Even people who are converted, have God's Holy Spirit, you know, the, the, the mind of what it does with uh, the pulls and tugs and lusts and covetousness and, and, and anger and everything else that builds up to dysfunctions and even diseases uh, is prevalent, and we need to be aware of that. And, you know, what I have found about an interesting aspect about the ministry of Jesus Christ is that uh, I just had a discussion with another elder about it. It was divided into three areas. One verse in Matthew, he said that he went out teaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and healing all manners of diseases. So there was three different things that he did. He taught people instruction, how to pray, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, so many things that he taught in parables. They also came proclaiming the kingdom of God, a message of evangelism that he set the example in, but also he was out there healing. And while we can't heal or, you know, don't expect to just go out there and just lay hands on people, all of a sudden they're healed in the classic way that we think, that we are there to help bring about, you know, comfort and healing and prayer and bring God into this equation. And I feel like this is very important as part of our service to be concerned about people's health and be a good force working within it. Oh, yes. the uh, God's truth and uh, the Bible, the knowledge of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's so many ways that God is working to heal us and then we can do what we can do to provide healing understanding and, and healing sympathy and healing love uh, to help people to, to heal from their hurts and scars and the damage that's been done in their lives and so forth. The, uh, this is a uh, very personal, of course, and it's, it's quite painful to me, but, uh, and I've had, a, I felt a lot of pain uh, about a lot of people in my life. But on top of that, my beloved son, Danny, the younger of my two sons uh, died this past year on November 12th. So it hasn't even been a year, and, and he died at the young age of 40. Mm-hmm. Now, he had had some health problems, especially in the last couple of years, including getting a serious case of COVID. But our family did not realize until near the end of his life that he had become an alcoholic. He had lost his job uh, uh, quite some time ago, and, uh, and maybe uh, the reason he wasn't trying harder to get another job is... Uh, because he was drinking uh, more and more. And uh, his wife was away at work during the day, and, and he did a pretty effective job at hiding his drinking. So even she did not, she had no idea that he's drinking near as much as he was. Mm-hmm. 
but toward the end of his life, we realized that, and especially when he got quite sick and he was diagnosed as having very serious problem with his liver and his kidneys that uh, we realized, uh-oh, he must have been drinking an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we all tried to encourage him to get help and start going to AA and, and reach out in whatever way. And his wife even arranged for him to go to a, a very good, effective rehab-type hospital in New York. And he spent, uh, I think, three weeks there. Um, and they did help him a lot. And, of course, naturally he wasn't drinking during that time. And, of course, they stress that when you get back home, you've got to follow through. You've got to start going to AA and and get regular support and help from from others so that you don't relapse and go back to drinking. And we could tell the way he talked that he was really, really torn. He just, he wanted to do that. He knew that was the right thing to do, but it is very, very hard for somebody who has an addiction to break free from it. It's just, uh, you got, you know, the, the rational side of your, your mind is saying, yes, I need to do this, but, but, Addictions are so powerful, mm-hmm. and it's just heartbreaking uh, how many people's lives have been destroyed or almost destroyed uh, through addictions. And uh, so, as we got closer and closer to the end, then we realized he was an alcoholic. We're all trying to urge him to uh, go to AA meetings and get involved and try to explain how. And I, you know, I told him, I said. I said, I've been with others to a, you don't have to be an alcoholic to go to an AA meeting. I've, I've been with others to kind of show moral support by going to AA meetings, sometimes with another, with the person who really needed to be there. And, uh, and I said, uh, there's nothing shameful about, about going and you've got people who are very sympathetic and it's like, they have the attitude, I've been there, done that, and uh, I can help you and I encourage you and I can be like a big brother to you. And uh, he would say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I want to start doing that. But he just, he just never did quite do it. And um, so, uh, so it's just, it's really heartbreaking. Uh, of course, any, any death would be way, way, way more heartbreaking if we didn't understand the truth of the resurrections. Right. I mean, to know that this is, this life is not the only life and that, no matter how miserable a person's life has been or, or what, what what they went through at the end of their lives, you know, they're either going to be resurrected in the first resurrection to eternal life or they'll come up in the second resurrection to a, an opportunity to learn the truth and to, to repent and to put their faith in God and Jesus Christ and to qualify for eternal life. And so naturally we, there's, Every time a loved one dies, I think, oh, wow, there's no one more reason I've got to stay faithful so that I can see that person and be reunited with that person again when we're all resurrected. And, uh, and of course, there's this verse in Isaiah about the righteous are taken away from the evil to come. And so the society is getting so bad now that every time somebody dies, I think, well, at least they won't have to go to the most miserable part of the decline of our society and our freedoms and there's going to be more and more persecution and things like that. So mm-hmm. naturally we have mixed feelings about it when somebody dies, but, but, you know, we all, 
his eye and you know Elsie died before she realized it he was an alcoholic and so I'm, I'm glad she because it she really loved Danny so much and I'm, I'm glad she never knew that Danny was uh becoming an alcoholic and but Danny's sister and his brother you know really loved him and I really loved him and his wife loved him and so uh it just hit home how much how many dangers there are in our society and, mm-hmm. and how dangerous it is to to indulge in things and to get addicted and to things and how addictions can fairly easily happen and how we have to be so careful not to let ourselves become addicted to things because you know now i'm even more dedicated to wanting to support breaking free uh and anything we can possibly do to help people because it has hit home to me more and more and especially with losing danny so uh, Mm -hmm. uh, don i am so sorry for what you have gone through yeah, and then uh, and then um, and then Danny just passed here in 2022. Um, the um, uh, but oh yeah, it's uh, losing a uh, losing a spouse is terribly. I mean, I mean, a beloved spouse where you had a good marriage is mm-hmm. so heartbreaking. And then of course it is terribly heartbreaking for a parent to lose a child. We always hope that our children will greatly outlive us. You know, it's like. You know, it, it makes sense for an old guy like me to die sometime soon, but, you know, to, for somebody so much younger, it, it just, uh, yeah, I, you know, I would gladly have uh, died in his place, of course. Yeah. Yeah, because you wonder how, what could have been and what kind of a person would they have become, the way yeah. <clears throat> David even felt about Absalom and the way that parents feel about and, you know, unconditionally about their children who may not have overcome certain things, but you love them very much unconditionally. Yes. Uh, the uh, I know uh, for various reasons, uh, including being out of a job, Danny was getting more and more depressed. And, of course, it's such a temptation for people who are depressed to turn to something, alcohol or drugs, to sort of drown their sorrows and and to feel better. Uh, but uh, it's very, very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. It's pretty easy to become addicted. There are new addictions that have come on the scene, you know, in, in the last years, such as addiction to social media, uh, addictions because of, not even social media, but just television and just seeing things over and over again. Uh, do you have any comments about that, or is that kind of in the family of addictions? Well, I agree, and it's it's uh, sad that people are like addicted to their their smartphones and go around just constantly uh, looking at their phones. Uh, another problem with that is they're so used to looking at very short messages. Uh, people are getting away from reading between watching television and looking at little short messages on their phones, uh, most people don't read in-depth educational things much anymore. And uh, there's so many problems that uh, overlap and that uh, are reinforcing one another. It's just, uh, it's really tragic. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you would like to bring up? Well, the, um, uh, I want to 
just go back to mentioning what I mentioned before, how the ultimate authority for helping people to break free is God and Jesus Christ. They, uh, they're there for us when people turn to them. And, uh, and so someday the whole world is going to break free from the misery of uh, Satan's influence. And uh, it's going to be a new world and a happy world, a healthy world. And life would really be depressing if we didn't have such a glorious future to look forward to. But the sad thing is we know the Bible prophecies show us that things are going to get worse and worse before Christ comes. So it's going to be tough leading up to that time. But also when we come across people who have addictions or problems or diseases of, of various sorts, we can't just say, well, we'll just pray about it and uh, be warmed and filled. We, we have to do more. We have to put forth more effort in, in care and love and words and, and skills and in letting them know that we really care about them. And come back to them and, and check up on them and, and help them. Well, um, all of us who are elders or employees uh, or spouses uh, working for the church uh, have a standard uh, email address, which is the first name and then their underscore and then their last name and then at ucg.org. And so, of course, I'll always have that email address. So anytime anybody wants to call me or write me or email me that that of course would be an email address it would always work so i'll be glad to discuss anything with anybody mm -hmm. including anything about breaking free or an article that they have in mind to write okay don't you also have an email with your own domain yes many years ago i i got the hooser.com domain so my actually my real email address is simply my first and last name is don at hooser dot Come. And of course, Hooser is H O O S E R. Uh, the, of course, the Indiana spelling is H O O S I E R, which is spelled Hoos which Hoosier, is, which is pronounced Hoosier. But mine is pronounced like a Z, like a Hooser. Well, when I saw that, I thought, how did he get Hooser.com? I mean, that had to be done a long time ago. It was a friend of mine. I don't know how, how he came across it, but he called me up one day and he said, Hey, guess what, Don? He said, Whoever had Hooser.com, uh, quit paying for it, and, and so it's free. He said, if you, if you want it, you better grab it quick before somebody else gets it. So I did. So I, pay, I think I pay 130 something dollars every three years or something to maintain it. But, right. Well, it's, it's worth it. I mean, that's, uh, that's a very good domain. I got cubic.org. Of course, I had my first website in 1996 when domains were just you know, <laughs> coming in. And uh, I've had a con this continuous website, cubic.org, all that time. And my email, or one of my emails, is vic at cubic.org. I couldn't get com, but I got the org. Uh -huh. well, that's great. That's great. <laughs> well, Don, we want to commend you so much for the work that you're doing and what you're doing all through your life and what you have done and the many people's lives who you've touched through your letter answering, for your care, for breaking free. Also, what you've suffered in your own life's experiences. And that's one reason why I think God allows us to go through suffering. All of us go through various kinds of suffering, is to learn to be compassionate towards others. If we just have a life of everything going our way, uh, I don't know if we could extend that compassion. But certainly, you have really been an example, not only in what you do and write, but also in how you live. And we thank you very much for it. Well, thank you, and thank you for this chance to uh, 
participate in this podcast and to uh, have you uh, help to spread the word about all, so many important subjects, including this subject. And um, so it's, it's wonderful to be a part of a of a, a godly work that is really helping people. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to us today on The Cubic Report. We welcome you to share this podcast and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, and many other platforms. You can easily find us at any browser address box by typing in the words, The Cubic Report, and there we are. Remember, Cubic is spelled K-U-B-I-K. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more. 